Get your Bibles ready, I guess I say, said the right word. Today, I'm going to tell you about something that took place. There's a motivational speaker, and what he was doing, what he had to do, is he got in front of a group of people, a group of professionals, highly paid professionals, and what he wanted to do was teach them. Well, towards the end of the, of the seminar, he said they'd do an experiment. So he took out this jar, a gallon jar, and he placed it on the table. As he placed the gallon jar on the table, he started pulling some rocks out from underneath the table. As he pulled the rocks out, he started putting them in the jar. Now, the rocks were about fist size. As he did it, did it, he fills the thing up, and as it gets full, it's the very top. Couldn't put another rock in. He turns to the group, this group of motivated, highly professional individuals, and he makes a comment to him. He says, ladies and gentlemen, is this jar full? Pretty good question. Of course, everybody's nodding their head. You bet. This jar is full. Ah. So then he reaches underneath and he pulls out this bucket of gravel. He starts pouring the gravel in between the rocks and starts shaking it up. As he starts filling it up, the gravel went in. Everybody's catching on to it now. They're going, oh, yeah, I get what's going on here. So as they start to fill it up, he gets it up there pretty much. Looks at the group and says, ladies and gentlemen, is this jar full? Somebody popped up and said, probably not. Right. Then he pulls out another jar. And he puts in that jar, he puts in this time sand. This another bucket. He starts putting sand in between there, and you know how it wedges in. So now you're looking at a situation where the rocks are there, the gravel's weaving in around it, and now the sand's just filling in all the spaces. He gets to the top of the jar, and he sits there and looks at the group and says, Is this jar full? The group unanimously said, No. Very good. Gets out his gallon of water. He starts pouring the water in there, and the water just fills it up. It's the very top. You know how it's just right there before it goes over. He looks at the group and says, What's the purpose of this? experiment. He had a comment from one individual that said, well, there's always time to do something else in your life. There's always time. You can always add something else. He looks back at him and says, you know, you could get that from this, but that's not the point. That's not the principle. This is the principle. Those rocks that you put in there at first are your foundations. That's what you build off of. The sand, the gravel, the water is the filler. It's the things to take your time and take yourself away from those rocks. Today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about those rocks. Demonstration tells two things to me. It illustrates two points. And what I talk about this demonstration, what I want you to do is I want you to keep focused on that jar. I don't want you to think about other people's jars. I don't want you to think about your father, your mother, your daughter, your son, your siblings. I want you to think about your jar. Because we're going to ask some questions today. And the questions are this. What rocks do you have in that jar that you foundationally solid made, made your life solid on? And what other fillers do you allow to push it out or force out those rocks? Demonstration says two things to me. First of all, have we followed God's principles to secure the rocks in our life? We're going to talk about some of them today. Get your own jars. Second, how we've allowed the pebbles, how we've allowed the sand and the water to take place at some point and push out the rocks. Now, when this experiment's done, you think about it. If he would have done it any other way, if he would have put the sand in first, would the rocks have went down in there? If he would have put the pebbles in there, would the rocks have fallen the same way? 
the way you have foundationally, you've set yourself up. What you think is important. That's what matters. The title of the sermon today is straightforward, Time Management. That's it. And if I were to add an extra verse, it would be Time Management, let God's will be done. You'll understand that by the time I'm done. Time Management, let God's will be done. Now, if you're thinking in the spiritual, you obviously can do an illustration with the rocks, can't you? If you're thinking in the physical, think about all the things we fill our lives up that don't matter. They really don't matter. We, we place them at places of importance, but they don't make a difference. What the rocks, <clears throat> what rocks in the situation does God ask you to acknowledge as important? I think it's a pretty important subject. And today, in what Satan throws at you, he's going to throw every pebble, every bit of sand, everything he can at you. That's what he does. That's his ambition. How we react to it, and that's what we're going to talk about today. How we react to it. If you're filling your jar with any, anything else but the rocks, how much credence do you give to it? Okay, there are some principles that I want to cover. There are some things that I want to direct. These rocks can be in any order after the first one. Because the first one should be established as ourselves. We should be establishing this first one in the same order every time. It's the only way we will obtain eternal life. And that first one is Him. Giving credence to God. Giving reverence to God. Here Matthew 6, verse 33. A lot to cover, so you'll see this go pretty quick. Matthew 6, and verse 33, we know this verse very well, but Christ told us how to direct ourselves. Matthew 6, verse 33, But seek ye the first, the kingdom of God. It doesn't end right there. What does it say? And his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. So, if we were to establish a rock, it would be pretty important in this situation to make sure that that rock, if we want to obtain eternal life, is one we establish first. What is his righteousness? Well, we know from Psalm 119, 172, All thy commandments are righteousness. So now all of a sudden we understand we have an obligation not just to seek God, but now all of a sudden we have an obligation also to obey what he's given us. There's where the world falls off. How many people you hear today say, born again, I found Christ. You hear that how many times over? Do they obey it? We've been given a different obligation as potential first fruits. Point number two, a second thing. How about God's physical body? That's an interesting question, huh? What do I mean by that? Because I can hear a lot of people already making a comment. What do you mean, physical body? I'm talking about his church. What he will come back and marry. What do you mean? Why would we give reverence to that? Would that be a rock in your jar? 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians 13. Verse number 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. What's stated here? Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind. Think it's important that an establishment of the rock itself in this situation would be each other? Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints salute you, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You look at this and say, Ask, ask yourself the question, I guess, this way. Would that be a rock? Do you seek peace? Do you seek to actually be in union one with another? How about your physical family? Would that be a rock? 
Talk about the people you came with today. Ephesians 5. Just picking up one segment. We're going to get into these in a lot better detail. But Ephesians 5, the husband's point of view, the husband's role. Ephesians 5 and verse number 25. As I see divorce rampant in the world today, how about this? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Just one example. How about your physical family? Would that be a, a rock in your jar? Colossians 3. We'll pick up on a lot of these over and over again, but Colossians 3, verse 20. How about this? Children, obey your parents in all things, for it is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Physical family, part of a rock in your jar. Time management is what we're going to speak about today. And what I'm obviously getting to, and as you understand, as you go through your jar, your analysis of what's in there and how you've placed things, ask yourself how you allow other things to get involved that shouldn't be there. That's the point. Straightforward. Would prayer be a rock in the jar? You think so? Probably a pretty important rock, potentially. Mark 11. Mark 11 and verse 22. Mark 11, verse 22. And Jesus answering and saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall, be unto, uh, shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Have no quiver of mind. Just think about it. But shall believe in those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Think of what that means. Absolute belief. Verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray. Think prayers, prayers are important? Unbelievable. Believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Is prayer a part of that jar? Another point we're going to cover today. What other things, what other rocks might fill your jar? It's going to be personal. It's going to be your own viewpoint. I tell you, these things I mentioned today better be part of it. Foundationally. How about your health? Is that important? It's your occupation. What you do. Jobs or occupation. The point today is time management. That's it. We're going to talk about You spend a long time <clears throat> on the fillers, you may miss the things that God wishes you to have, what he wants you to focus on. We may miss the boat altogether. <clears throat> what these fillers might be. What might they be? We know them, don't we? How about seeking wealth? Would that be a filler? How many times have you seen it in the past where all the rocks are removed, but that one, that coveting rock is there. That's all they focus on. Food, shelter, clothing. Odds are good these, these other pebbles in the sand utilized, they're going to be physical. Some type of physical filler. Hobbies. How about your appearance? How about material possessions? How is your time divided, brethren, as we get into this sermon today? Would it reflect? This is really what it's all about. The mind of God. How you divide your time. You know, sad plight in life. You honestly take how little time you spend on your needs compared to other things you do. 
the end of the day, do that. I challenge you to do that. At the end of the day, you actually look back and say, how little time did I spend on my knees today in comparison to what I should have? You decide where your rocks are. It's a pretty sobering concept. First thing to do, getting into the sermon today, we need to center on Christ. We understand that. This is a rock that should definitely be in your jar. Let's go to John 5. John 5, verse number 19. Then, then answered Jesus and said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. So we understand the instruction. Where's our rock? Where's our point? For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. We all know these verses. The point of view comes this way. How well do we live them? Time management. That all things should be honored. <clears throat> that, all, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father, who has sent him. Verily, verily, verse 24, key, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Your rock better be in place. This is one that needs to be in your jar. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Seeking God's will is the only option. It is the only option you have to obtaining eternal life. There is no other way. You can't do it as a good person. You're eventually going to have to go through Christ. It's the only option you have. That rock has to be there. John 6, verse 26. And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, but not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat that endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him that hath God the Father sealed. Don't seek God's, if I were to say, don't seek God for the physical things he can give you. Seek him for the spiritual things he can give you. This is a rock that's going to actually, every other rock's going to foundationally be built around. We understand that. But your premise is this, how much time do you really give credence to him? Just on the Sabbath? Romans 14. Romans 14, beginning verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he that for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God, and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and the things wherefore wherewith one may edify another. Don't look at the physical things which you can see. Look at the physical things you can't see. Toughest thing in the world in time management. How do they create or how do they uh, promote you as successful? They look at your material wealth and what you've done, haven't they? They don't look at your family, how your kids are reared. They don't look at how good they are. They don't look at your relationship with each other, do they? It's not the way this world measures success. Absolutely opposite with God. How's your rock foundationally planted? You need to understand. If it's not planted in the right direction. If this is not part of your jar, you have a problem. 
get it back on course, get that rock in your jar, and start doing what you need to be doing in all aspects. I have in my notes here written, have you ever heard someone st make a statement, it's too much work, it's not worth the cost? Hey, try hiring somebody today in society. They make those statements all the time. Why is there so much employee turnover? We get in that question as we sit around in a group and think about it. It's not worth this much work and effort. If we all took the credence and made the statement to ourselves, you know, I don't do this just because, but I do this because I'm here to actually work as God requested me to work. I do it for him. Foundationally, where's that rock in your jar? 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 16. For which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. It's not going to come with the physical things we look for. For our light affliction, this is temporary life we live, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we, were, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We understand this, brethren. We all. Week by week, we all. I'm talking like my assistant right now. We all. But you look at the situation, I guess, and ask yourself the point of view. We all understand it. But when we evaluate ourselves in time management, we go to bed at night, can we honestly look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I've given credence to God first? Reverence? Let me tell you, this is... It's, I get inspiration for sermons because I look at certain things and I read the Bible. And as I'm reading the Bible, I sit there and say, boy, this is a fault of mine. And I think we all fall in the same loop here. The right credence. Matthew 19. Matthew 19 and verse number 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? We know this. As you read the parable, you continue all the way down, you understand what it says. <clears throat> don't commit adultery, don't etc., etc. All the way down the line. Verse 20. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What yet, what I lack yet. What lack I yet. And Jesus said unto him, If thou will be perfect, and this is where we come to, brethren, today. If thou will be perfect, all these material things are going away. Go and sell that which thou hast, give it to the poor, that thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. How many times today have we heard this verse, <clears throat> and we sit there and we think to ourselves, yeah, we're, willing, we're waiting for him to come back. Look at the world. Because the world views it as he did in verse 22. But when the young man heard this, that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. We put ourselves into a physical attachment, not into a spiritual. If you're to clone on that rock, if you're to look at that rock in your jar, it's not going to be a physical attachment. But yeah, see, that's the rock that everything else should be premised off of. Are you willing someday, let's put it this way, to leave everything behind? Are we woken up to that task? Someday it might happen. Do you think someday it's going to be required for us to do just that? Continue verse 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, ver verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne, in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 
Next verse is key. And everyone that hear, that hath forsaken houses or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. You don't know. You look at some of these individuals now, you look at some of these individuals 30 years ago, and you, all you can say to yourself is, wow, these, these are really powerful men of God. They really understand the truth. And what really happened when the washer ended, if I can put it that way? What happened when we looked at the jars? Where was the foundation truly? We don't know. But I do know this. Our foundations today, what we do, we will be held, held accountable for today. It's not going to be tomorrow. It's, not, it's going to be tomorrow. It's going to be how we sustain it until this physical life gives out. Are you prepared to give it all up? It's a question. What would happen if your spouse, your son, your daughter, whatever it might be, turned? This isn't a jar you're going to be able to affect if you're doing what you should be doing before God. Are you prepared? True sacrifice, it's an example that Christ gave before us, isn't it? No greater love than to die for a friend. The rocks in the jar better be foundational around Christ. That's the point. Just premise straightforward. Seek him, brethren. Do we truly seek him? Question we need to ask. Point number two. The members. The church. This physical body. We entitle it brotherly love. Members of God's truth. Is that a rock in your jar? <clears throat> Do we truly sacrifice to others? Do we? Do we become servants? Or do we seek our own glory? First Peter 3. First Peter 3, beginning verse number 8. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion, one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful and cur be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called. Ye should inherit a blessing. How is our measure of love one for another? This is a jar. Your jar. Nobody else's. What do you do to avoid situations of helping? You can't really tell in the good times, can you? Because when things are going well, everybody's getting what they're wanting usually. You know when you can tell? You know true love? Is when you look at the picture and say, can they repay me? I don't care if they can or not. An act of kind of strangeness, of strangers, kindness. Brotherly love. Colossians 3. What's your attitude? Colossians 3, <clears throat> verse number 8. But now ye also put off these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge and the image of him that which created him. Verse number 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. What in there, everything that is just mentioned can be repaid? Nothing. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. 
If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Interesting concept in life, isn't it? It goes against our nature, doesn't it? It's a lot easier just to argue. And above all these, put on charity. Which is what? Love. How does that rate in your jar? Pretty easy to read it. Pretty easy to talk about it. When you look at the end of your 24-hour period, what have you done about it? Well, all of a sudden we're being held accountable. Time management is a cruel taskmaster because it can, you can look back on a day and say, I ruined this day, I failed. Or you look back on the day and say, this is what I wanted done. This is what I think God wanted me to do. Which is the bond of perfectness, charity. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the rich also. Ye are called with one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and in hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 24-hour period of time. Seven days a week. 365 days in an imperfect year. 365 and a half. However you want to word it. How do we do time management? When you enter into a conversation, do you decide to dominate the conversation? Are you there to listen? Are you there to edify? Are you there to hurt? Brotherly love, is that a rock in our jar? I think it's a great principle. Something we should know. It isn't our nature. In our situation, isn't it our nature to justify? How many times have you heard statements come out of someone's mouth this week in the fashion of, uh, he started it? I don't want to hear it. I won't do it. It happens. Personal justification. How about someone standing before each other saying, I'm pure before God? I really honestly look at this whole concept and think to myself, boy, we have a lot to overcome, don't we? Brotherly love, it's amazing. You look at the situation, how the Bible is set up, commandment-wise. The first four, deal with Christ. Deal with God. Your relationship to God Almighty. The last six, our relationship to each other. Man, you think about the first two rocks I've given you. What's your relationship? These two rocks are not in your jar, if I can word it that way. Where do you stand? You missed everything God tried to teach us. Been trying to be taught. Let's turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1, we begin in verse number 22. Seeing ye, have, <clears throat> seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of men flower of grass, and the grass withereth, and the flower therefore falleth away. What's your establishment and what's your belief in each other? But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Did God not give it to you? Do we rate ourselves and appeal how well we do on a daily basis? Your personal evaluation. First Corinthians 12 
1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by the Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, or whether we be bond or free, have been made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not a member, one member, but many. You know, you look at this, and I, I've been involved with a lot of conversation lately, and the conversations dealt with, and you know, I'm going to address the situation straightforward. It's dealt with, well, can we keep church by ourselves? Can't we? I don't read that here. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe somebody needs to point something out to me. When you look at the situation here, and I guess my, my point's going to come this way. You look at this and say, we're many members. It doesn't say you're singular by yourself. How can you edify brotherly love and show what you should be showing singly, by yourself? I don't see that here. Somebody's going to have to point that out to me. What's our ambition? Is it to edify? Is it to show each other? To sharpen each other? Brotherly love, brother, and doesn't just start with the entering the door either. What's your feelings? doesn't qualify you just because you walked in the door. doesn't qualify you because you got on the phone. How did you do when you got on your knees knowing that somebody was actually in pain, hurting? Did you really honestly do what you needed to do, earnestly prayer? We read it earlier. It would only take one that truly believed to remove what? Anything. You look at the jar. Look what we put in our jar. Verse number 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased him. It's not you. You don't have the right. Sorry to say it. You haven't been given it. God placed them there. So you're going to remove yourself? And if they were all one member, oh, when, were, when were the body? But now are they many members but one? Yes, but one body. And the eye cannot say into the hand, and we know that as it continually down. Let's go down to verse number 24. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lack. You ever cut your toe? You can't see with it, can you? But boy, you sure feel it. Paper cut? Just a little bitty thing. The comely parts. Verse 25. There should be no schism, no division in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. And if one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. How's your relationship with each other? How are we done? Are we in pain when we're in pain? Do you feel each other's joy? Is there jealousy, animosity? Those aren't things of God, brethren. This is a rock. It's a rock I believe we should foundationally have within our jar. When you ask to pray, do you do it fervently? I guess that would be a question. James 2. James 2 and verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, <clears throat> though a man may, may have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute with daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? 
Even so faith, if it is not at works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith and, I have faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. But the devils also believe, and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? You can say all you want to do. You can do all you want. You can actually act any way you want to do. And that facade's out there, and people are going to buy it. But I tell you something, as we've seen, as I made the comment earlier, 30 years ago, how many men stood before us and they all made the, uh, let's just say, the persona, gave the persona of the closest thing we're going to get to Jesus Christ himself. Kind of a crazy deal. We believed it then, though, didn't we? Now you take a look at this and ask yourself some questions and say, what have we tied our rock to? It should be each other. It's a point. We should first seek Christ. But I tell you something, I think your rocks, if they're in order, are also going to involve the body. Whose responsibility in the situation? How is our relationship to our brother? And let me ask a question here. Whose responsibility is it to maintain that relationship? Theirs? I think if we answered that honestly, we know whose responsibility it is. Don't place the blame on others. Take it here. This is your jar. Point number three, another rock I stated already is prayer. You think prayer is not important? It's your communication line. It is the line you have to God. How much time do you honestly spend on your knees a day? This is a question we need to ask. Prayer is an interesting deal because it can build faith. How many of you have ever had a prayer answered, and as the prayer is answered, you sit there and say, Wow, he heard me. Now let me go the other way. How many of you have earnestly prayed and it didn't come to be? It can also be a disciplinary tool. Because if you're not right before God, you need to ask yourself why. Maybe it's a thing of self-examination. Two-edged sword. But let me tell you, there's nothing more powerful than when you know the prayer was answered and you shake your head and say, I'm not worthy of that, not deserving. You've been there, every one of us. It's a communication line with God. How well do we communicate? How much time do we actually attribute to it? Time management. Matthew 6. Matthew 6. And verse number 4. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets. They may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. What should our entire conversation be, brethren? Verse number 7. But when we pray, when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Quantity means something. Quality means something, not quantity. Verse number 8. Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth the things ye have need of before you even ask him. What do you do? What does it say to do? What do these verses tell you to do? The situation is straightforward. Praise between, praise between you and God. It's not an open thing. It can be a growth in faith when it's answered, because you know that no one else knows it. 
Prayer is something that definitely should be a rock in your jar. How much time management, how much time do you give to it? Credence. It can be the most important rock at some times in your jar, can't it? Because it's your relationship with him. When you do it, point number one, straightforward here, you better believe in it. Matthew 21, verse 22. When you do it, you better believe it. Matthew 21, begin in verse 21. And Jesus answered and said to them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which has been done to this fig tree, and we remember the situation that took place here, but also if you say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. This is a rock that needs to be in your jar, straightforward. Do you believe it? If not, why do it? If you don't believe it's going to happen, isn't it in vain? Your prayer would be in vain. Get on your knees and earnestly believe it's going to take place. The key is what Christ continued to substantiate. Straightforward. Let's turn to Matthew 26. Look what Christ gave us an example. And you remember the title of the sermon. It picks up right here in stems. Now rocks, foundational, right? What takes place here? Christ substantiated Matthew 26, beginning verse number 39. And he, said, and he went to the father a little farther, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cap, cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, not as I will, but what? But as thou will. It's his will, brother, and it's not yours. That's what's going to actually get us out of most of this jar. Remove the pebbles and the sand and everything else you want to say. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Verse 41, Watch and pray, ye enter not into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away the second time, and he prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Two times he substantiates it just right here. We know how many times he says it. Look at God's will, not your own. When you get on your knees and pray, that's what we should be doing. Don't look for your own viewpoints, if I can word it that way. Acts 10. Acts 10. And verse number thir- uh, excuse me, verse number 30. Acts 10 and verse 30. Remember this situation? And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this, this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. What do you think it was? Who do you think it was? And said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. We know it took place here. We continually read it. We know the situation. Does fasting and prayer work, brethren? Can it for anybody? These are solid rocks. These rocks need to be solid in your jar, if I can word it that way. They need to be deeply established. And which rock in the situation do you foundationally keep and hold on to? Everything else is pebbles. Everything else is sand. Everything else is additive. But you know what? What does it take if the sand would have been in place in that jar first? What would it have taken for the pebbles to be there first? Where would the rocks be? Could you have gotten as many in? Time management. 
do this, all other things in the situation will fall into place. Point number four, God places a lot of time into what we call a family, family unit. Do we? Interesting conversation piece. Is this a rock in our jar? Our unit, our family unit. Do you learn not, in this situation, do you learn not, do you not learn from the Bible your role in the family unit? Obviously we do. We're going to cover those real quickly. Husbands, you have a role. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, verse number 21. Submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. 521. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. What does that mean, husbands? You take a look at what Christ did for the church. You look at the sacrifice that you need to rise to. This is your own personal responsibility. Genesis 18. Genesis 18 and verse 18. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, and he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord, and they shall do justice and judgment, and the Lord may bring up upon Abraham that which he has spoken. What's expected from God? We look at the expectations he's placing on a husband as a role. They're great. Is this a rock in your jar? What you do with it, Proverbs 22.6, tells you straightforward to catechize your children. Tells you to train them up, which means catechize. Do you? Do you, as the head of the household, pull that role? Have you done what you need to be doing? This is your obligation, Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall, thy, shall be in thine heart. Verse number 7 is the key. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto your, thy children, and shalt talk of them. And thou shalt sit in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. All the time. Who's the spiritual leader in your family? What example have you set forth? Opportunity. It's not even a question. It's your job. It's your obligation. It's also your obligation to provide for your family. First Timothy five. First Timothy five. Verse number eight. But if any provide not for his own, his own kin is what it's saying. And especially for the of especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever, an infidel. Pretty straightforward. Obligation. Husbands. 2 Corinthians 14. 2 Corinthians 14 and verse, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 14. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. For I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for their parents, but the parents for the children. Straightforward situation. Layup meanings accumulate riches. Whose responsibility is it? Husbands, you have an obligation. Are you following the examples that are set before you? Is this a rock in your jar? 
withholding this example. Spiritually, financially, physically, the weaker vessel is not you. Luke 11, verse 11. If a son asks, shall ask for bread, <coughs> shall ask bread of, of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he shall ask a fish, uh, fish, will he, will he for a fish give him a serpent? You know how it goes. No. Would God? You? Look at the formation, how things were set up. Look at your example. Didn't God set the example? Christ? Follow it. Ephesians 5, verse 28, dealing with the husbands. Ephesians 5, and verse 28. A lot to be stated here. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. That takes a lot, doesn't it? He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hath hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Wives, what's in your jar? 1 Peter 3. There's a lot of obligation there, husbands. If you think about the sacrifice that was made, and you know we can't cover it all in the time we've been given, but you think about the sacrifice that was made, we have a lot, of, a lot to do, a lot of responsibility. Wives, what's in your jar? 1 Peter 3. Verse 1, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your husbands, own husbands, that if any obey not in word, they also may be without the word, be one with the conversation of the wives, of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, who's enduring, let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of hair or the wearing of gold, but putting on, uh, or of the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in which is not corruptible, even the ornament of the meek and the quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God at a great price, of a great price. And after this manner in the old time, as the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters are ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid <coughs> with any amazement. 1 Timothy 2. You know, you say the Bible to some women today, and they're going to be infuriated by just quoting the Bible. 1 Timothy 2, and verse 9. And how should we be? 1 Timothy 2, and verse number 9. In like manner also, the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shame, shame faces and sobriety not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh a woman professing godliness. Get away from the physical with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, for the woman being deceived was, was in the transgression. Professing godliness, not authority. 1 Corinthians 14, as I'm having to rush through some of this here. You need to apply it and just look at yourself and say, how do we, how do we stand up? How do I stack up personally? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, 
but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. How many how many churches today would this hold into account? I read the other day the Catholic Church is having a major problem with this. Example. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for a woman to speak in church. The statements. Ephesians 5 and verse 22. Ephesians 5 verse 22. We've read it already, but let's read it again. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. There's no mysteries here. Pretty straightforward. What's requested. Children, you have roles as well. Ephesians 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. This is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou might livest long on the earth. Or the rocks. Where do the children put as rock right now in today's society? Where does anybody? Proverbs 23. We're going to take the time to turn to that. Proverbs 23. A child's role. Does God view it as important? Proverbs 23 and verse 22. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother which, which uh, when she is old. Buy the truth, and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth the wise, a wise child, shall have joy in him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. How many times today in society can we look out and say how they shame their parents? It's a lot of responsibility. Colossians 3, verse 20, obey your parents. Straightforward. A lot of responsibility given here, isn't there? But rocks are important to us. I had a courtesy clerk that stole product recently. I know I probably don't have time for this story, but I had a courtesy clerk steal product recently from me. As he stole the product, um, and we catch him and do this whole thing, the parents said, you can't touch him. He's our responsibility. You know what? That's the way the law is written. What are they teaching him? Children, it's right to obey your parents within the Lord, unless your parents are wrong in that state. But why did he do what he did? Probably because he wasn't taught any different. A large obligation, gentlemen, wives, ladies, and children, before God. What rocks are important? What else do we have? How about our health? First Timothy four eight. You know the verse very well. It says, "Put put God before uh, put spirit." Be- well, let's turn to it. I want. I don't want to misquote it because I can already hear that coming back at me. First Timothy four and verse eight. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be physically fit or do what we can eat properly. What I'm saying is, what should we seek? Again, godliness. How about our occupations? Colossians 3.22 is just one example. Do we work for our employer or whoever we work for, whatever we do, as if we were working for God? Think that's important? Are we concerned with food? Shelter, clothing. Turn to Matthew 6. We bring these <clears throat> verses almost into a close. Matthew 6, and verse number 24. This is what Christ says that way. No man can serve 
two masters, for either he will hate one or he love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought in your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet your body or what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. And it gets into the talks about the fowls and talks about Solomon wasn't arrayed like this here. Let's get down to verse number 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, or wherewith shall ye we be clothed. For all these things the Gentiles seek. How much faith do we have in what will be taken care of, brethren? For your heavenly Father knoweth that these things are your need of. Luke 12, 30 through 38. Same thing. Where are we at, brethren? Read it. Understand it. Colossians 3, I do want to turn there as a final verse. Colossians 3 and verse number 1. Colossians 3 and verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on the things above, not the things of the earth. For ye are the dead, <clears throat> for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. What do we fill our jars with? I tell you, television, sports, hobbies. What is it? What do you do, personally? You look back at the week you had just now, being honest. You think about yourself and say, what have I done that actually edified what God has given me? Where's our priorities? Whose desire am I fulfilling? You can't serve two masters? We know that. Time management is a very important thing. Because if you do it correctly, we have an opportunity of obtaining eternal life. Incorrectly, you wasted what? Your time is so little, as we've read this today example. Point is more than that. How do you place your rocks? Have you filled the jar with pebbles and sands? Question we need to ask. 